Hello everyone, welcome to You, Me, Them, Everybody. My name is Brandon Weatherby. Uh, this episode with Aaron Sinek is all about uh, sort of why he documents protests. And uh, yeah, that's kind of what it boils down to. It's nearly an hour long. And uh, I kind of wanted to get to the crux of why he does what he does. And what he's been doing recently is documenting the uh, protests in Chicago during, um, during COVID-19. One of the most... One of the most difficult times in all of our lives, uh, because it's a difficult time. That means things aren't going well. So we have a Patreon account, uh, so you can make things uh, a little bit better. Go to youmeetthemeverybody.com to donate to the Patreon account. And uh, if you'd like to see any of Aaron's work, uh, we link to Aaron's work in the podcast description. We link to his recent piece for the Quarantine Times, which is a thing that didn't exist previous to COVID-19 for obvious reasons. Here's Aaron. I'll start with how I start with everyone these days. Uh, how are you doing? How have uh, how have your COVID years been? Oh God. Um, well, you know, like everybody else, I the days kind of run together. Um, uh, you know, some days it feels like, oh wow, it's been, you know, it's only you know, it's only Monday, it's only Tuesday or whatever. Um, but then you're like, oh my God, it's it's almost September. And yeah. This this has been going on. Uh, since well, I've been I've been quarantined since March eighth, with obvious exceptions over the past you know six weeks or so. Mm-hmm. But you know uh, the the eighth was the the first day where I was like, okay, no, I should probably never leave the house you know again for anything until things get sorted. Which of course nothing has gotten sorted. So yeah, it's it's been a struggle pretty much like everybody else. I think. Um, you know, I've I've definitely, um, I've definitely gained you know the 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 weight that other people have gained. Um, my cats are a little different now because I'm home all the time. Mm-hmm. So if I do leave, um, they're kind of freaked out because they're like, "Wait a minute, he's always here. Where is he gone?" You know, um, you know. But yeah, it's been uh, it's it's certainly been to be trite an unprecedented time. So you you started before the state of Illinois made anything happen before there were shutdowns, before anything was mask only before restaurants were closed. You started like the week before. Yeah, probably somewhere between seven and 10 days before. I think I can't remember the official Illinois date, but um, basically I, I started the day after I covered a uh, Bernie Sanders rally in Grant park where there were 15,000 people. Mm-hmm. Um, and part of it was that the uh, I, it was either the night before or or just before I got on the train to go down there. Um, no, or while I was there, I shouldn't say the night before. I think it was while I was there, or like I mean, it's so hard to remember at this point. But someone I know um, had posted, you know, oh God, I think I might have COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a person who I and I, the weekend before I was uh, shooting C two E two. And this was somebody who's another photographer who I ran into. And, you know, I mean, we were all talking about it even then. C2E2 was, you know, the weekend before. So that was February uh, 28th or whatever. Um, and it was definitely like on people's minds. And you could tell it was on people's minds, you know, at this, you know, rally at Grant Park. But the reality of everything hadn't really sunk in. And it sunk in, you know, when I saw this this post on social media uh, from someone I knew and I was like, oh, God, well, what, you know, have I been exposed, you know, and kind of had a freak out for 
I don't know, probably 24 hours until they post it again. Oh, no, I definitely don't have it. And I was like, okay, well, that's kind of a relief. But you know what? This is extremely serious. And therefore, I should take all major precautions possible. And, you know, at that point, we had already seen what other countries were doing. And so I was like, you know what? It's not going to be before long before we start seeing the same measures. Hopefully, you know, crossed fingers taken, you know, here. Um, and then, yeah, we saw the, the shutdowns um, happened, you know, like a week later or whatever. Um, and but they, you know, of course, none of that was uniform. It was like, you know, Illinois decided to take, um, you know, more restrictive precautions than other states in America. And that's kind of what we've seen over the past, you know, six months. since. Mm-hmm. And you wrote about all this for the quarantine times, which is not a thing that existed before. COVID-19. Uh, quarantine times is um, the Lumpen folks. Is that correct? Yes, that is correct. So for those that don't know, uh, please describe Lumpen for people that aren't familiar with the Pilsen oh arts God. community of the last two decades, three decades. Um, you know, it is a uh, long, you know, two decade old magazine um, that has had a lot of incredible people write for it. There's a very, very, you know, obvious, you know, leftist uh, bent politically, but also, you know, very connected into the Chicago arts community and the Chicago politics community and the zine community and all of those other kinds of things. Um, They have been for, you know, for as long as I've been around, as long as you've been around, uh, Brandon. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I and, and I actually don't even know when they start like when they started up the quarantine times but the you know i guess the idea was okay hey how you know how has quarantine changed life or whatever and um uh someone you know one of their editors hit me up and said hey you know we're commissioning people you know for for a store basically we're commissioning people for stories almost every day like one story a day about mm-hmm. how you're dealing you know with quarantine and it was it was a very open kind of thing and you know meredith um is a or i'm sorry not meredith married um is a was a fantastic editor and all of that but i just sort of at this point because i wrote that piece in june early june so i had been i had gone three months into quarantine and i remember telling myself you know sort of at the beginning of everything like okay well this is extremely serious but we're all going to, you know, this is a pandemic. This mm-hmm. is, you know, something that's global. This is something that's killing people. This is something that's highly infectious, that's novel, you know, so we're all going to take this seriously as a society and we're going to do everything we can to stop its spread. And yeah, so maybe by, you know, July or August, I remember telling myself this in March, you know, maybe it will feel a little bit safer to do some normal things. Like, yeah, I know we're not going to be able to do all the normal things, but, you know, maybe I won't feel terrified to go to the grocery store or to ride the cta or whatever um and then you know june comes along and things are just remarkably worse um and and i think worse than a lot of what a lot of people thought and it was just like okay wow you know and and the entire time i had been sort of struggling um especially at the beginning of june because um i had already been struggling with like you know okay so a lot of the work that i've done especially over the past couple of years has been street photography and you know street reporting and so much of it has been um reporting on movements and social justice and protests and activism 
and all of a sudden, you know, and I've, and as in addition to like political reporting and literally going to like, I mean, I was gearing up to get ready to possibly start going around for, you know, campaign 2020 stuff. Like I had, I had been to, um, you know, before quarantine, I had, I did the Iowa caucuses. Um, I've did, I did a little bit of other traveling, you know, covering some campaigns here and there. And all of a sudden this happens and it's like, okay, well, how do you do this job and what, you know, how do you do any of this? Um, when there's a, when there's a pandemic and literally the only news and you for a while was, you know, pandemic. So it was like, okay, I'm Mm -hmm. writing, you know, I'm writing, you know, a story a day on just like increasing numbers and things being closed and all of this, in addition to some, some other work I do for other people. Um, and it was just like, you know, wow. And then, you know, the George Floyd was murdered by, you know, the Minneapolis police. And as things, as, you know, protests started to touch off in Minneapolis, you know, sitting here going like, okay, you know, uh, if this were a different world, I I would have already been in my car on my way, you know, to Minneapolis. Um, Or at least, you know, and this was like in the initial days. And I actually had a friend um, who is a, uh, a journalist um, who had called me up and had said, Hey, you know, I'm going uh, to Minneapolis. Do you want to come with? And, you know, under different circumstances, you know, we've worked together before. I mean, there's, there's kind of a, you know, a sort of loose crew of, you know, freelancers here that, you know, have all been working together in one capacity or another for another for quite some time. And it was like, yeah, we probably would have gone there for a couple of days, you know, until things started to touch off here in Chicago, but, you know, it just didn't, you know, and, one of the stranger and sort of scarier things to to think about and to say is like, okay, you know what, I'm used to, and, and this is not something that anyone should be used to, but, you know, okay, I am, you know, I'm used to having to deal with like, you know, covering, you know, cops trying to beat the crap out of you mm-hmm. or arrest you for doing your job, you know, in the street. But now that you add on top of that, like, oh, okay, there's this global pandemic. And, you know, one of my struggles as well was, you know, I've got people that are immunocompromised that are in sort of my very tight, you know, quarantine circle or whatever people are calling that uh, these days. I heard the word quarantine thrown around the other day and thought that was uh, one way of describing it. But, you know, we're talking, you know, elderly elderly people, um, people with disabilities. And, you know, so even where, you know, if it was just myself, it would be one thing, but I've also got to consider those folks and, you know, not only just like, oh, well, I can, of course, you know, quarantine and, you know, stay away from them for 14 days or whatever. But, you know, there's also sort of a more long-term thing, which is, you know, I have to keep an eye on these folks for, you know, lots of reasons. Some of them are long-term because we're talking about you know, longer term care. And, you know, I don't know how I would be providing that care if I was on a ventilator, or, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so there was struggling with all of that. And and then, you know, things started well. And then one, you know, one thing I do talk about in that piece um, was that my friend who went out there um, got shot with a rubber bullet in the eye and, and lost their eye. Um, and you know i'm assuming your friend is the one who went semi-viral with that they showed the thing that actually hit their eye and the and the before and the after photos pretty graphic am i correct yeah in fact i i helped them go through their photos remotely Mm -hmm. like i i had set up uh something for them to just sort of 
this was before that happened but Mm -hmm. you know my thought process was like okay i can't be there so you know here's a way you can just remotely upload everything that you know is on your cards you get back out in the street i can help you curate your photos and that's what the idea was but then it was like oh dear yeah you have lost your eye um and so then it was like okay well i'm gonna go through your stuff and try to find those photos that are relevant to this situation uh for it uh so that that was one little thing but but that was the thing it was like that person wasn't the only person who would end up being you know brutalized over the next um few weeks and now months by by police not only in you know minneapolis but you know, folks I know here in Chicago, um, folks I know in New York, folks I know in other states. And so, you know, it's it's been kind of this there there is the struggle because I have, you know, since then, you know, I have been out to cover some things, but not in the same way that I would normally, because, again, I'm still trying to, like, keep some pandemic protocols in. and even just sort of your behavior in general um, changes. Like, I remember the first the first rally I went to cover and it, it had only been. Maybe two months. It was it was towards the end of May, early June. So it only had been like, you know, between March eighth and whenever this was. But it was a small. It was just it was a small. You know, couple hundred people uh, in in my neighborhood here in Chicago. And so that was one of the things that brought me out because I was like, okay, this is something I can walk to. I don't have to rely on the CTA. Um, I got to get back out there, et cetera, et cetera. And you know, I'll take every precaution possible. And and you know, the precautions that you end up taking are like okay, you know, not only, you know, yes, I need a mask, but then also, yeah, I need some sort of, you know, safety glasses or whatever, um, you know, or goggles or whatever. I mean, I wasn't, back then, I wasn't too terribly worried about um, things like OC spray or tear gas, which I am these days and carry at least goggles with me um, when I go places. But, um, you know, and then, but then there was this whole extra process of like, you know, okay, now I'm going to come home and before i even walk in the door i gotta get take all everything i'm i'm wearing off you know i have to completely you know i have to clean down every inch of my gear mm-hmm. you know wash my hands a million times probably take a shower um are you, you still know, doing that now yeah okay yeah, so yeah, even, are you worried that you're getting to a howard hughes level of germaphobe <laughs> um no no i'm not um okay. i i don't believe that i am i mean i i do this I'll do this when I'm like, because again, you're, you're, you're taught, you're, you know, you're in a crowd of people, sure. um, you know, and so it, it, the studies, the, the recent studies have shown that you are much less likely to contract, you know, any of this um, from a street protest than you are, say, sitting in a crowded bar or, sure. you know, whatever. But even still, you know, I don't see anything. I don't see anything wrong with taking like a few extra steps, which basically is just, you know, spending 20 minutes, you know, deconning, you know, my gear, making sure everything's, you know, rubbed down and myself is, you know, cleaned off and whatever before I like start touching things in my house. You know? Have you, you've covered stuff in the loop since uh, the, the murder of George Floyd? Uh, yes. How have, you, how have you gotten to the loop? I've driven. Okay. So you're, um, I, you're in so your yes. own, you're in your own bubble. Yeah. I'm in my own bubble. Well, uh, most of the time. Yes. Um, although, yeah. So I, you know, whenever, whenever I cover normally before this, whenever I've covered protests, it's almost always been like, I either, um, 
I either take the CTA or I take like rideshare or a cab or something. Mm -hmm. And I do that just because I don't want to have to worry about parking the car, getting it stuck somewhere. Of course. Because, you know, that kind of, you know, just logistical reasons. Um, but now it's just like, no, okay, if I'm going to go to something, I'm going to be in my bubble and, you know, I'm going to, uh, you know, and that's that. But um, last week, was it last weekend or the weekend? It was the weekend before this last weekend. Uh, things got really, so I had been, there was a small, it was kind of a big day of action in Chicago. There were five different actions in five different locations throughout the day. Um, there was one literally uh, at, in the in the park that I go walking in almost every day. This is in McKinley uh, Park in Chicago, Illinois. It's, um, is this correct? Yeah, south is, side. Uh, it's a pretty boring family residential type area it really is it's not a it's not a bad thing it's a description it's just to the west of bridgeport for those that don't know it's it's just to the west of where the white Sox play yeah um, just to the west of bridgeport just to the south of pilsen yeah so it's it's sort of like it's just a nice family neighborhood and stop there nothing that dramatic about it it's not no, where people I mean, go to congregate usually no, I mean, it's just, it's another neighborhood park. I mean, people don't even, I mean, there we don't even really have like, you know, whereas other na- neighborhoods, you know, you've got strips of bars or clubs or mm-hmm. whatever. We don't even really have that, um, yeah. which I, again, you know, being old, um, you know, being, being over 40, I don't really mind. Um, but also, you know, I mean, things happen, you know, people organize things all over the place, especially where, there is an issue and so the one the thing i went to go cover um was an environmentalist protest that was still related to um defund you know essentially the essentially it was you know defund cpd and start investing money in other things including Mm -hmm. environmental programs because you know um back in 2010 or 2011 i can't remember which year it was but the city uh decided it no longer needed its department of the environment um, and then the subsequent, uh, you know, eight to 10 years afterwards, we've seen a lot more people flouting regulations, a lot more pollution, a lot more it, just bad stuff happening with that. And, you know, one of the re- one of the excuses the city made was, well, we just simply can't afford this. And the reality is, you know, we spend 40 percent of the city budget on the cops um, to the tune of, you know, a couple to the tune of a lot of money. Um, we're, you know, we're talking billions of dollars. And, uh, so there's, it was a small, you know, hundred, maybe 150 people. And it was specifically in that, in the park, because across the street from the park, uh, there, there was an asphalt plant built about two years ago. And this was done with no warning to the people who live in this neighborhood. Um, the, you know, even local legislators were blindsided. Um, the the local uh, state of Illinois rep uh, here was like knew nothing about it when they started construction. Like they, they were just issued the permit, and it's like oh, okay, fine. So we're gonna have this you know hot asphalt plant across the street from this gorgeous park that we have across you know two blocks away from a school you know within walk you know within spitting distance of restaurants, a couple of restaurants and churches and things. And and so folks, you know, had this protest there and, you know, I went and I covered it. I came back, you know, came back to my house where I file um, and I was filing and 
like I said, that was one of five things that went on. So there was another protest mm-hmm. uh, that happened at uh, Homan Square uh, in the afternoon. And that, for folks who don't know, is the basically what amounted to a black site that uh, CPD had where people would disappear for a couple of days and very bad things happened. Um, they were denied access to lawyers. Uh, There's a lot of allegations of mistreatment and abuse uh, that came out of there, et cetera. So there was something there. There were a couple of others, but then there was a there was one that was happening downtown in the afternoon. Um, and so as I was filing, I had a, f- a freelancer friend of mine who was down there covering the downtown one call me like literally from an alley after um, he and other people had been kettled, like chased and kettled by police just sort of saying, Hey, if I get out of this kettle, I'm going to need a ride. Um, and so, you know, I uh, closed up my, my laptop and, and drove as close as I could get to sort of downtown to pick up uh, a couple of freelancers who had been roughed up uh, along with lots and lots of protesters. Um, and so it ended up taking um, me about two and a half hours to get everybody home because of course, you know, in addition to putting up the bridges in the loop and for for folks who haven't seen that's been sort of the tactic that the mayor has been using for quite some time now is you know to to quote unquote prevent you know rioting and looting or whatever is is just putting up all of chicago's bridges but in addition to putting up those bridges they shut down a huge chunk of not only the cta um but also the expressways so it you know even though this at this point it was like eight or nine o'clock at night, you know, it might as well have been rush hour pre pandemic rush hour traffic. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and so, yeah, that was when like I broke my car bubble um, was, was when I had to take, you know, I mean, first we had to go somewhere to like get the, the OC spray washed off someone's arms and, and all this other stuff. But, now what's um, OC spray? Uh, pepper spray more or less. Got it. Um, but that's the, that's the technical, uh, the technical term. I, I can't remember off the top. It's, it's of that. fine. It's fine. Yeah, but yeah, that's that's what that's what you're seeing canisters of, you know, getting hosed on people very liberally over the past, you know, couple of months in streets everywhere. It burns. Um, it's known to also have caused headaches and other things. You know, obviously, it's it's horrible on the eyes, but even just on the skin, um, it it it's not a good feeling. What makes you? do this what makes you cover these things you've been doing this for like two decades at this point <laughs> has it been that long oh my god it no it hasn't been that has. long but it's been close yeah. to it it was a little after 9-11 probably yeah um i mean i you know i got into activism in college um and that was in a lot in part because of 9-11 and the war and in Iraq and, and a lot of other things. And, you know, I had, there were, the interesting thing is, you know, a lot of people back then, you know, we kind of came together over this, you know, sort of like anti-war, but also not everybody, but there was a definite, you know, anti-capitalist, you know, subgroup of people inside the uh, group of people, you know, that I, that we knew or Mm -hmm. organized with or whatever. And some of that came out of, you know, uh, folks who were organizing against the WTO and the FTAA back in, you know, the late nineties, early two thousands as well. Um, but then through that there was, you know, there were local issues 
that we also started to address. I remember one of my, like one of the first uh, local like things that we organized back then was um, a protest to um, against the, uh, the, the state, the state of Illinois essentially wanted to um, completely defund the uh, MAP grant, which stands for Monetary Assistance Program. And it's um, at the time, the, the college I was at, uh, something like two thirds of the population of, of people at that school received some money from that grant. So it was a big deal. It was like, OK, hey, where are all, you know, and, and, and at the time that school also was, you know, mostly local folks from Chicago lots of people of color, you know, lots of people who didn't have a lot of money, you know, relying on this. And so it was like, okay, we're going to organize against this and do what we can. Um, you know, and, and I remember that, you know, it, it actually helped to stop them from doing that. And, you know, that was sort of like one of the first times where, where I was like, you know, wow, okay. You know, really this is the, you know, this is a, this is a powerful way of making change. Um, and, and, you know, over those couple of years in college, um, you know, there was a lot of organizing, like I said, against, you know, the war in Iraq and other things. And sort of coming out of that, I just had spent so much time already, like, in the street. And that was when I, you know, when I was getting into doing zines and getting into, you know, writing and, and things like that. And so it just, both of those things sort of felt like natural, you know, writing about, things that people are doing to try to make the world a better place seem like a very natural thing to do and a very natural progression from like what I was already doing. You know, part of it too, I think was, you know, back then, you know, at least back in, you know, from 99 to like probably yeah, 03 or 04, you sort of, sort of had the beginnings of, um, I'm sure, you know, you remember the the old, you know, IndieMedia.org mm -hmm. sites and all of that. But you had a lot of people who were starting to organize, you know, their own collectives and and their own, you know, sort of do their own media. Because one of the things that one of the things that was happening that we especially saw in uh, Seattle and then also a lot with um the Iraq war protests and the FTA in Miami and all that as well was the reporting coming out of there from your sort of legacy publications or broad, you know, your standard broadcast or cable news or whatever was very, very much one-sided, you know, always took officials at their word, always, you know, just sort of like a very, there was a very, very one-sided narrative and, you know, seeing that and then also seeing like how, much gatekeeping there was then and even still in some cases now um there was in getting you know into any kind of media print photography videography you know um radio reporting you know whatever what have you all of those things um it was just sort of like okay there's a reason why we're only seeing um you know part of a much larger story that's happening here and do you and, feel like things have changed since then do you feel like I do. okay i I, th I feel like in some cases things have changed for the better mm -hmm. and then in other cases things have changed for the worse well clearly well, um, specifically when it comes to media consumption and stuff like that um yeah i think you know on the one hand um thing, things that have changed that are good over the past 20 years um have been just the fact that more people and 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 again, you know, that are good. 
things that have changed that are good, you know, comes with a million caveats, right? Um, because like any tool, like any, you know, literally anything, you can use something for good or for evil, or you can use something to help people or harm people. You can use something to just broadcast information or you can use it to grift people. Um, and I think, you know, over the past 20 years, you know, you know, some of the positive changes we've seen are that, you know, people aren't, don't necessarily just take, you know, cable. There, there was a time where I felt people stopped taking, you know, cable news just at its word or elected officials simply at their word or just, you know, um, I was, I was talking to somebody not but 15 minutes before you and I started chatting here about a 2016 story that came out in the Chicago reader, which was extremely amazing and detailed and detailed over the years, how the, the fraternal order of police and, you know, police media people pretty much for so many years wrote stories that were just published without question in, in press when it came to police shootings mm -hmm. and things of that nature. And I think, so what we've seen, you know, is that one with the, the sort of evolution of technology and the cheaper things have become, you know, yeah, you can, you know, not only can, do you have a camera on your smartphone to record something. Okay. okay. Great. Hold on. What happened yesterday or last night? Oh, you mean you mean when the Kenosha police tried to execute a person? Exactly. Okay, so that happened in Wisconsin, right? And mm -hmm. uh, w how was it portrayed in majority of media? Well, I mean, uh, you know, that's that's a again, that's complicated too. Because it's not complicated. It's not complicated whatsoever. It's not complicated whatsoever. Because majority of people are just trying to hit a deadline, they're going to use the press release version, which is yeah. exactly what you're talking about from this reader story from a long time ago. So, mm -hmm. and and then how are people consuming that that those uh, news uh, tidbits? Are they going to their well, preferred okay. source, or are they going to search out multiple viewpoints to get the correct source, or are they just like, I'm busy, uh, this cop shot this guy, uh, that guy probably deserved it, or the cop shot that guy, that guy deserved to get shot, and they're already locked in. You see what I mean? Oh, yeah, no, don't don't get me wrong. Like I said, there's, you know, here's, I mean, I guess here's the thing. The difference between now and 20 years ago is that you literally have video that is contradicting everything, you know, every narrative that's coming out. You've got you have to not believe your own eyes or your own ears in a lot of cases. Now, this is, and this is where we get to like how things have changed in a bad way, which is that now you've got, you know, entire, not only just, you know, your standard press PR teams um, of people who are trying to spin something, but you have an entire, um, you have an entire news, you know, news mechanism that's also doing the same thing. Where yeah, got, no, it doesn't bother me. You know, doesn't bother me because all you, you I think people, it no not in no way does that bother me because people have already been locked in since ever or they were never locked in and they didn't care and they didn't participate so I, this just makes me think of hmm. 2016 the conversations like this because hmm. did the did the Russians uh, insert themselves in the election absolutely did it change anything not really. Why? Because all the Russians did was remind people, like, hey, aren't you guys a little racist? And guess what, guys? We are. And we're also sexist, and that swayed an election. The end. Stop. It's not that complicated. And it's not like anything would have 
been different in any other scenario. You have a flawed person that people don't like because they've heard 20 to 30 years of how they're a horrible murderer be it for the Clinton side. And then for the other one, you have uh, not a woman. See, I don't know that I'm wow. And this, this is really weird for me to say, but I don't know that I'm, that that feels more nihilistic than I am, which is weird. Oh no, I don't think it's nihilistic. Um, I don't think it's nihilistic at all. I think it's from the start, and this is why the media thing doesn't bother me whatsoever. Is this country racist? Absolutely. The the protests of the last two months and the way people are more upset with a window being smashed by a white teen than a black man being shot mm-hmm. seven times in the back, that says something, right? We are still in a very racist country. But we did it like a black man 12 years ago. So it's both. We're always both at the exact same time. So what really matters when it comes to what you're covering, what comes to my interest and our shared interest, it's really about the, who's, who's got the best mic skills and who, who makes me excited to do anything. And then it doesn't matter the form. It could be music. It could be film. It could be politics. And if you're able to captivate anyone, it doesn't matter what side you're on. You're going to win. No, it, well, see, this is, and this is where I think this is where I was trying to go. And this is where, where I'm disagreeing with you is it's not only having the best mic skills is good. Absolutely good. You absolutely need that, whatever those are, you know, as you said, mm-hmm. but the other part of that is having the money and the reach okay. to influence more and more people. And what you're, and mm-hmm. what, like what, no, what that, I have, that matters to a point, but if you look at who won the 2008 election, Money didn't matter. I mean, yes, he fundraised the most, but also he had come from the least amount of means. Trump weighed way less than Hillary, but he was able to manipulate free media. So, no, doesn't matter. But it's it's not. But it's not only just about winning elections, and I think that is. Oh no, I'm talking about life. When it comes to life, like the the most famous chefs aren't necessarily the best chefs. It's the one that are best on camera. Those are the ones that we know. It's the same with authors. It's the ones that could. Uh, you need to get your book published first and foremost. So if you're not good on social media right now, good luck trying to write. But the question is, <clears throat> like, for example, a, a dear freelancer friend of mine um, who does not have, you know, a million Twitter followers or whatever, but is damn good at what he does, um, had his footage just straight up stolen by not only the Chicago police, but by a lot of folks who are basically just right-wing grifters. This is what they do. They sure. literally just take people's footage. Sure, 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 sure. They turn it into a tweet. They send it out to hundreds of thousands of course. and millions of people. And so that there, they're taking one narrative, twisting it, and then putting millions of dollars in ad money behind it. So, and yeah, of course, you know, your your racist grandma is going to be like, but, yeah, but, these, but these, no, but this oh. has existed since the start of all media. This is not a new thing. Just because it's accelerated no. does not make it new. I'm not saying that it's new. I'm saying that it's accelerated to a point where it makes it has been it is still unfortunately reinforcing the point and now we're starting to even see, to see more legislation, more justification of brutality happening at a rap a more rapid rate which is accelerating the growth of fascism as a whole. That's what I'm saying is that there is an acceleration to this mm-hmm. and we're seeing it happen more and more. And that's part of the problem that it, that has been the negative side of social media, et cetera. Yeah, I don't that. know about that. I can't, I don't know if I'm going to agree with you on that. I clearly see your point. Trust me. I clearly see your point, but I, I also think of like the, 
the the cool stuff that has come from it. Okay, the I don't think it's controversial to say that currently the most exciting member, the like, most exciting congressperson is AOC. And if you you probably she's a very polarizing figure. Most people love her or hate her. That says something. Am I right? Oh yeah, sure. Great. She had the least amount of money of anybody going into the, January 2018. No one, most, everyone did not know who she was. Now she's the biggest target in a lot of these ads in races she has nothing to do with. That is a cult of personality. It's a beautiful, wonderful thing, and she's able to manipulate it in a, in a wonderful, wonderful way if you believe what she believes in. And if you hate her, well, she's the worst person ever. That's why I mean, like, you, you're able to do things now that you were never able to do 20 years ago. Oh no, and that's and like I said, there there are many good sides to that, but there are also many troubling sides to that. And again, it all it all comes down to how you use it. Um, very, I mean, it, it you know we could take this debate all the way back to you know the invention of of you know atomic and nuclear technology, which is you know yeah we we've been able to do some really cool stuff with it, but then also we were you know we we murdered millions of people, and so that's you know uh, that that's where the sort of like that that's that's where you can't necessarily always be agnostic about how something is used and why the use of something is important oh no 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 no, no, I, no, no i'm not agnostic about it i'm not agnostic no, i'm I not think... saying i'm not saying you're not i'm saying there 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 are a lot of people who are agnostic about things though in that same way where it's just like okay well you know yeah you know so and so has a you know as, as you said, so-and-so is a cult personality and that, and that's, you know, that's a good, you know, could be good or could be bad, but mm -hmm. you know, you know, we have, you know, this thing going. And I think that's where, you know, one of the things we've lost, um, over the past, I mean, it, it, I shouldn't even say lost because I don't even know if we've really had it, but this is, this is something that I've, uh, we haven't talked about yet, but I think I was trying to eventually go there was that one thing that we don't have a lot of is both number one critical thinking skills and two media literacy and i think both of those are so key now because the especially during quarantine pandemic or whatever i mean you're consuming media all day every day even prior to pandemic i mean you are consuming media all day every day if it's not the news you know it's movies it's books it's music it's it's you know video games it's TikTok videos mm -hmm. it's, it's absolutely everything and the fact that you know we don't we don't educate people from a very young age which we should be doing on okay well where is this coming from who is behind this and what's the point of it that sort of you know critical thing to be able to say like okay so you know you know we you know you see you see the video and and this is where you know we're the seeing the effect of of this thing happens now you see a video of people smashing windows and you've got a hundred yeah news you've got a hundred news commentators saying like oh this is the problem you know this just destroying america and it's like okay well wait a minute did we ask why that's happening and no, I think for, also sure, this, for sure for sure for sure this is where this is this goes into as well the sort of like tons of misinformation and disinformation about you know people who are who are calling to defund or abolish the police which is that you know you know you, you've got people who are saying like oh well well if you do that you're just going to have this mass chaos and you know trump has been able to turn that into ads of you know well joe biden's america and aoc is america sure, 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 sure. No, I, I know where you're going with this i understand but there, that yeah but the reality is is like 
you know, you know where I'm going with this, but the problem is, is you've got, you know, the, the people who don't know where folks are going with this, it ends up having a lot of like pretty rough real world effects, which we're seeing now. I mean, you had what happened in um, Gettysburg where fake flyers about anti-fascists coming to tear down monuments were circulated. And so you had a bunch of people with guns show up um flying their confederate flags or whatever that could have turned into something a lot worse than it did and this kind of thing happens all over the place i mean even here like in chicago uh the first night of protests that we had after george floyd was murdered um you know while while there was looting happening and and all of that the chicago police department diverted its helicopter to the border of indiana over the expressway because somebody had been sending around a rumor that 3,000 people in buses were coming to Chicago um, to riot, and they were coming from Indianapolis. None of that was true. It was complete and total nonsense, but it had been broadcast so much. And these folks, you know, especially the folks who are making these decisions, are already leaning in that direction. So they diverted actual resources um, and, and manpower to something that was 100% fake and nonsense. Mm -hmm. And that is the kind of thing that's also, you know, that's also getting a lot of other folks riled up and you're starting to see, you know, so many, so many worse things happen. Um, I think because, you know, people just don't, people aren't thinking like, okay, well, wait a minute, what's really behind this? You know, what does, what do the people brought you know what do people broadcasting this have to gain and when you start talking about trump and and the right wing or the fop or you know whoever it's like yeah they have they have some they have a lot to gain by painting all protest movements as somebody who's going to go burn down your farm in your rural town or you know loot your gated community none of which is actually going to happen sure 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 but so how how are the protests right now in chicago specifically the ones outside of uh mayor lightfoot's house how are they being presented both in uh, in like the tribune and also in like the reader i mean i think what you have is you know on the one hand you've got you're, you're sort of more more legacy people are still trying to you know, have this sort of like even handed both sides kind of thing where it's like, well, we, you know, looting is bad, but protest is good. And this protest was not good because looting happened, even if those things weren't actually related at all. Um, not, not even only that, but not even just to that. And that doesn't even factor in, you know, the sort of like whole idea of, you know, why looting happens in, in general, which is a whole, you know, other 40 some odd minutes we can, we can discuss um but it's but it's sort of like the oh well as long as things remain peaceful and what's been happening is you've been seeing you know because you know the chicago police you know have a uh, an incredible pr team and they're pumping out videos like oh this, you know see look at this kid you know do this you know look at this kid you know look at somebody throw this thing at a cop or look at you know this or whatever and so what you're seeing are these you know little incidents they throw out here and there as blanket justifications for everything they do, which has ended up with people literally getting like screaming on the ground, you know, getting beat, um, who may or may not have anything had had anything to do with anything. Um, 
And so I think what you're seeing is like, you're seeing that broadcast around a lot. Um, but then also you've got your other, you know, folks who are trying to dig deeper and trying to show like, okay, there's a timeline of how this stuff happened. And that's where your, you know, Chicago readers, your block club, Chicago's, you know, those folks come in. Cause it's like, okay, you know, you've got these reporters who were there literally all day, right in the middle of everything. Um, you've got people who've got footage that say, okay, yeah. What about what happened in the 10 minutes prior to when, you know, your, your video started, what happened there? And so I think you're seeing, you know, those sort of the standard narratives be challenged, but it's still so much harder to do, um, you know, because, again, as you were saying earlier, you know, somebody, you know, you've got plenty of folks who've already made up their mind. All they need to see is 90 seconds of video on, you know, broadcast on the 10 o'clock news to sort of confirm what they already believe. And oh, yeah. Wrong, you know, um, but then also, you know, you've got but there is a definite narrative coming out of certain elements both you know not only in media but you know with elected officials here that is contradictory to other things that have happened um but then also you've got you know i i think one thing that's different now too is you've got city council folks here um who are challenging that narrative who you know came from in some cases you know came from you know activist movements and, and things like that who know you know that things are different and so yeah. you know you had and again, going back to where those real world consequences are, you know, you've got your sort of, you know, more right wing elements who are like, oh, no, we, we want the National Guard. We need the National Guard or whatever. And, you know, they use whatever footage and whatever stories they can find to sort of back that up, you know, and they, it's, it's just sort of a, you know, throw throw whatever you can against the wall and see what sticks. Sure. But uh, how are they? how are the protesters being portrayed right now other than like they're good no one's saying that they're good but a lot of people are saying that they're bad what is their aim from your perspective and then how is that what is what is their aim in the mainstream media in chicago right now whose aim what the protesters currently outside of lightfoot's house let's let's start with them uh, the one you mean the ones who got arrested a couple of days ago, or the ones who've been there normally? Because those those are two different groups of people. Please explain this to me then. Yeah. <laughs> the, okay. So we're talking about Logan Square. It's a it's a neighborhood neighborhood. It's it's neighborhood neighborhood. It's where people live. It's not downtown. But though people do live in downtown now, I shouldn't say that. It's a more residential neighborhood. Um, it's pretty much directly north of where you are. You're you're 3500 south. That's like 2400 north. Um, they're a little bit further west than you. That's about the only difference. And it's you could you could probably take one street the whole way there. Yeah, it's. Yeah. I mean, it it take. I mean, it would take, take a, while, a while, but you could do it. But yeah, you can do it. Um, but you know, I. Th so what we've had up until, uh, the other day where you had, um, I think it was six people who were arrested by Lightfoot's house. Um, the the more recent people, um were kind of more right-wing type of provocateurs mm, um, okay and you know like one of them was with uh something called the jesus matters movement and i'm not sure what that is um like so it's not that know. dissimilar to the protest that got a lot of hand in dc before trump tear gassed people which was like a bunch of right-wing bros came to essentially loot and put a, a black eye on something that was good um that's what happened I, here in DC. Yeah, I was I was gonna say, as somebody who wasn't in DC, I'm I'm just gonna I'm gonna take your word on that one. Um but I think, you know, uh so so you've got um you know one one person told the Sun Times that they were there because the country was going to expletive and Lightfoot is a liberal and it's all liberals' fault. Okay. Um 
but previously to this um for weeks upon weeks you've had regular demonstrations that were near i i, I can't even say at lightfoot's house i have to say near lightfoot's house because she did lock down her entire block um from protesters um and that was before they started citing these sort of really arcane laws about neighborhood picketing and things like that to justify um you know having what is what is ostensibly a blanket ban on protests near the mayor's house um which all the the legality of any of that is dubious at best but um what happened prior to these these arrests uh, you know, of these, of this, like half do- this group of half a dozen people, were that for weeks you had people who were going at least to the neighborhood, getting as close as they could to her house. Um, most of these folks, you know, these, these were Black Lives Matter demonstrations. These were defund. These were very specifically defund the police demonstrations. This was about taking, you know, demonstrations to the mayor's house, saying this is what we want, um, and that happened for weeks. Um, and what what you saw was. I mean, you there would be so so it, it has it is not a, you know protesting in front of the mayor of Chicago's house is nothing new. I mean, during Emmanuel's tenure, there were plenty of protests in front of his house, um, especially um, after Laquan McDonald, yeah, um, after Haritha Augustus, and in in fact all the way back to Occupy and NATO and and but all I feel of that. like now it's a very different vibe because that felt so regional even though it was clearly happening around the country but now with the pandemic it's not a regional story anymore it's just one of many yeah i mean but it is um but you know it's 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 a national story because we're talking about a national movement. We're talking about a national movement to fundamentally change, you know, oh, of what course. policing is. And, you know, I, and, and what's, what's interesting about it to me are sort of the more, the mental gymnastics you sometimes see played by, by folks. Whereas, you know, especially people who are not, you know, from Chicago or don't live here or haven't been here in a long time, which is like, people will always say, well, why don't you go protest at the mayor's house? Well, people do. Yeah. People will say, why don't you protest in the neighborhoods where violence happens? People do all the time. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, you know, and it's just, you know, people are making a choice to act as if those things doesn't happen, but very specifically with Lightfoot's house, you had, and these protests were, you know, all peaceful. I mean, we're talking about people who are like basically having a block party, like, you know, an on you know an unpermitted, unauthorized block party, but you're talking about people, you know, having a dance party in front of her house. Something's going on pretty- similar in Washington D.C. right now. Over the weekend, uh, where the postmaster general is currently living in Washington D.C., there was like a go-go band and a flatbed truck, and it was literally it was exactly the same thing as what you're talking about. <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. And, but yeah, so you've got this. But the second, you know, what what ended up happening was you you had. You know, it started to become a big news story, um, and, and you know, and of course, it got picked up by some of your more conservative right-wing outlets. This Democrat mayor banned all protests in front of her house, um, and so then you had these other people who are opportunists who came, who decided to come in and say, like, "Oh, well, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to make it. a point or whatever." And it's like you don't actually care about what's happening here. I mean, that was the other thing is I think um, all all of the people who were arrested at Lightfoot's house most recently were from out of state. So these are people who are clearly, you know, I, and I hate, 
I, I, I really dislike the outside agitator narrative because I think it's used against, you know, especially, you know, leftist um, activists who do live in a community where by, you know, the state saying, you know, all oh, these are outside agitators where it's like, no, 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 man, these are people who live here. But like, these were people who did not live here, yeah. who came here with an agenda, who, you know, were trying to make a point or whatever. And that's, you know, sure, you can talk about that point. We're talking about that point too. But the, the thing is, it's like, okay, well, you know what? We're from here. We've been going, you know, we've been protesting here. Um, we don't, you know, think, you know, this is a bad thing that you're trying to say that we can't, um, you know, have these demonstrations or whatever. But now these people want to come in and they want to say like, oh, well, yes, it's because she's a Democrat and a liberal. And, you know, I'm, I'm surprised nobody threw in the words cancel culture in there yet, um, you know, because they love that one, too. Um, but, you know, you, you definitely have um, and this, I think, you know, kind of circles back to. Oh, God, I hate that term. <laughs> um, but this does kind of go back to like what we were talking about earlier is where's, you know, how people are using their platforms and narratives. And one thing I noticed over the weekend um, at uh, was there were three um, people who worked for conservative news outlets who definitely are not Chicago based, who were all of a sudden here and they were, you know, live tweeting these protests. And we're talking about people who have, you know, tens of thousands of followers on Twitter. Mm -hmm. and I think one of them writes for the blaze or something. Um, and when you see how they're documenting and what they're saying about um, these protests, which they've probably never been to beforehand is very, very different than when you see the folks out who have been out there, you know, for months or years in the street who know the situation and the narrative you see coming out from those two different um, groups of people is, is extremely different. And one of them is your basic, you know, well, there's no law and order and we need law and order and this kind of thing. And it's like, there is an agenda here. Um, and I think that is something that, you know, you're also seeing in Portland um, and Portland is, you know, there's a lot more going on there um, as well. And, you know, again, not based out of Portland. I haven't been to Portland in a couple of years, but I've got quite a few friends who are, you know, either there or from there or in the streets there and sort of seeing, you know, on the one hand, you've got, you know, people who will, you know, grab somebody, you know, grab 30 seconds of someone's video, selectively edit it, then put it up and say, you know, BLM Antifa rioters are oh, sure, sure, this, sure. you know, and I think what you're starting to see is that you're, you're starting to see the beginnings, I think, of you know, because that that's a very, very common narrative when you talk about, you know, your foxes and your oh, white sure, sure. and your whatever. But I think that's a narrative that, you know, again, these people have money so they can fly somebody out to whatever city they feel like, you know, whereas like, you know, your scrappy freelancer is like literally asking like, hey, can somebody Venmo me 20 bucks to fill my gas tank to get somewhere? Which brings me <laughs> um, back to the question of why are you doing this? I mean, I've been doing this because it it needs to be done. It's just something that, you know, it's, I think I've always been somebody who has wanted, you know, the, the world is a pretty messed up place and it's been a pretty damn messed up place for my entire life. And it, it has felt over the past, you know, two, two decades, like it, it has been getting just so much worse. Um, I mean, we're seeing... You know, not only are we seeing, you know, an, a looming ecological or already 
happening ecological disaster, but we're seeing the rise, you know, it's not even the rise of fascism anymore. It's, you know, fascism is here. It's, it's, it's inside your, your front door. Um, and we, you know, we've been seeing that for, for two decades, you know, we've been seeing, you know, the, you know, income inequality and just, just, you know, the, the failure of late stage capitalism and all of that. Um, and there are good people out there who are doing the best they can to try to fix that. And, you know, one of the things that, you know, I always, that I saw, you know, 20 years ago or longer was that though, you know, people, people who really want to make that kind of difference, especially on a street level, especially, you know, not only, you know, not elections, not, you know, I'm running for office, vote for me and I'm going to, you know, make some, you know, eventually I'll make some compromises and we might have, you know, instead of having a $7 an hour minimum wage, we'll have a $9 an hour minimum wage, you know, not that kind of thing, but you've got people on the street level who are doing incredible things um, to try to do what they can to make the world a better place. And you, that needs to be documented. And that's just something that like, you know, I think I went, you know, at a very, very early age, it was something that I didn't see being documented at least or documented properly because there's there's always been this both sides you know sort of false sense of oh well we need to remain objective about this and it's like okay well on the one side you you know where does that leave you and it leaves you with people saying well these people over here think it's great think it's fine for the police to execute someone in the middle of the street for any reason they want these people here don't guess we who can tell who's right right like that's that's a narrative that's just garbage and so i guess over the years it's just something that like you know i've always been somebody who wants to try to make a difference in life um even if it's the smallest thing ever you know and this was just this is how i know how to do it you know this 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 was this is what i know how to do and i think that's why i do it because well i mean someone has to and it needs you know it's it's something i can do so so why not